I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is Tech Central's TCS Plus, brought to you today by Cyber One. We're going to be talking all about socks today, not the type you put on your feet, but rather Security Operations Center. And my guests today have built one and are successfully operating it today. I'd like to introduce you to my guest now. Simon Perry is Chief Technology Officer at Cyber One Group. And Simon is joined in the studio today by Gerald Nordea, who is head of the SOC. Welcome to both of you, and thanks for making the time to talk to Tech Central today. Thank you. Thank you. Simon, let's start with the basics. What is a SOC? Why is it important? Yeah, so I think taking a look at a SOC in general, you know, you know standing for Security Operations Center, um, I think what we're seeing from a global point of view is the the shortage of skills within the market, mm-hmm. um, and I think this is why you know Cyber One SOC was sort of uh, developed about you know or uh, started about two years ago. Uh, the the main reason was really to to assist our customers and offering a service to our customers um, and providing them, I guess, the skills to monitor. Um, the events that could be occurring from uh, on the, I guess, on the organisation itself. Right. Okay. So, so this is a. Um, do companies themselves deploy socks if they're large enough? Yeah, they do. I mean, uh, taking a look at some of the financial sectors out there, uh, there are a lot of organisations have internal security operation centres. Um, I think the biggest uh, issue that they're facing, and uh, I think we're facing, you yeah. know, I touched on it, is is the skill shortage. Okay. Um, because you, you're looking for guys who've got the experience and, and have been able to yeah. work in those type of conditions. Um, you know, security operation centres, you know, 24 by 7, mm-hmm. 365, you know, uh, days a year along those lines. And we need to make sure that the right people are looking at the screens to to report back to the business. Yeah. yeah. So, so it would make sense in many cases because of the skills shortage, but other issues, cost as well, I assume. Oh, definitely. To consider a third-party SOC rather than building your own, even if you're a large company. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a security operation centre could cost millions to, to build um, and then – you know, the SOC is generally built into three areas, people, processes, and technologies. Okay. Um, you know, trying to find the right people can be uh, a problem. Technology is very expensive. Uh, you know, you, you need to make sure that you get the right tech in mm. place. Uh, it integrates with, you know, existing sort of vendors and solutions that customers might have already invested in. Uh, and then sort of building the process to make sure that internally you're following the right sort of workflow to, to provide that service to customers. Gerald, take us through building a security operations center. What's involved? How long does it take? What do you have to do? Yeah, so there's a lot of, as as Simon mentioned, processes and policies. Like The paperwork behind getting the structure of the SOC is very important. Before you even start looking at technologies and people, uh, it's very important that when you look at the technologies, you you do comparisons, you do reviews, you you test, you do um, proof of concept trial demos, you speak to vendors, you, you have to get uh, a solid package. You have to build a solid technology package that ensures you've got full integration, you've got coverage over multiple different environments, um, and that's just technology. Then with people, you know, you have to identify what, what, what are you looking for. Are you looking for the right attitude? Are you looking for the right skill? Are you combining it? And what type of uh, levels are you building into the SOC? So there's a lot of there's a lot of strategy involved before you actually implement you need a, it. sounds like you need a pretty robust plan before you make any investment decision. Exactly, yes. Um, and and sp- the specifically, and it's even, it's that times two for SOC as a service, which is yeah. a shared SOC model for organizations that don't necessarily have the time or the cost or the, the, the funds to, to start their own SOCs. Yeah. So um, 
I mean, one of the benefits, just to digress a bit, one of the benefits of the SOC as a service model is you're dealing with so many different environments. The types of intelligence that you build in mm. to your SOC will, you know, taking context from, from, from one customer helps you to build better context for mm. the next. And you, you sort of protect your customers off of the intelligence you've built off of all of them. Mm -hmm. And you're also more integrated into the community. So there's a lot of different benefits to that as well. Yeah, yeah. So SOC as a service or dare I say it, SOCARS. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that a thing? SOCARS? Is that how you pronounce it? Oh, SOC as a service. SOC as a service. Yeah. All right. SOCAS. <laughs> Soccer's. <laughs> yes, um, we could have a lot of fun with this. Um, so, I mean, we know, I think most people know what software as a service is. You subscribe to Microsoft 365 or Adobe Creative Cloud or whatever it is. Uh, is this a similar sort of concept? You, 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 you're subscribing to the Security Center as a service. Uh, I presume it's a little bit more complicated than that. What does it actually involve? So there's implementation involved, there's consultancy involved, there's strategy involved. You have to identify what the customer's environment look li looks like. Okay. And when consulting your customer, you need to identify, you know, what are their weaknesses, what type of problems or um, risks is the business facing, and then you start identifying use cases on how you can develop a security strategy from a security operations center point of view. And that becomes an operational service where you continuously improve that model. Mm. You, you, you continuously improve security posture for the customer. So with implementation, there's... You've now got your technology stack as the SOC. You've got your people. You've got processes in place. Now you need to start integrating that into the customer's environment. Mm -hmm. okay. And this goes beyond just integrating technology. There's integrating uh, communications. So collaborating with the customer, building SLAs out, like all those intricacies mm. are important. And working on the use cases. I mean, customers generally don't know what, what's needed. Yes. Uh, and I think because we've been doing it and a lot of the, the team members that sit on our team have come from socks, you know. They've got a, they've got ten years experience, you know, sitting in socks. So we've taken that experience mm -hmm. and you know, offering it to our customers and going, mm -hmm. this is, you know, this is some of the key use cases that we believe that will fit your, your organisation or the sector that you sit in. So take me through. I know you can't give away too many details, but Gerald, take me through what the sock looks like. Is there a? Are there big screens on the wall showing uh, uh, um, adversary activity, uh, attacks that are happening in real time? What What is actually happening inside the environment? Exactly that. So mm -hmm. you've got your first line. So yes, there's the big screens in front. Um, we've done it a little bit more dynamic. So the dashboards are not set in stone. Yep. The guys can dynamically change what they want to see to collaborate better with the rest of the team but everyone in the SOC facility can see what happens on the dashboards. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we've, it's kind of divided into different sections where you have from your level ones through to your engineering teams, mm -hmm. which is your fourth level. And um, yeah, it's, it's built so that there's a central location where everyone can collaborate freely mm -hmm. because as we know, when it, when it comes to a breach or any security risk for that matter, your response needs to be quick. So yeah. having the team close together with all the technology at their disposal right in the facility really enhances that capability. And when one of your clients comes under attack, I presume that the environment gets very interesting indeed. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so It becomes a battle. It does, definitely. Um, normally we'll establish a war room. So we've got a little danger point inside mm -hmm. this facility, which is a little round table, that we get all the, the team leads into this danger point and we discuss or build out a strategy. Are we going to respond to the customer while the analysts are on call with the customer to try and identify the problem? So okay. um, again, 
the, the ease of working together is very important for us. Mm -hmm. If something happens, we, we get up and we start collaborating immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Simon, take us through what, uh, you must have had conversations with dozens and dozens of, of uh, clients, potential clients um, over the last year or two. Um, what are they typically looking for in a SOC? What, what, what are their top priorities when making a decision around um, outsourcing their security management to this sort of environment? Yeah, I think, I mean, the one area that you sort of spoke about is, you know, customers facing incidents. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some of the, the stats at the moment, uh, just for 2023, there have been uh, over 600 major breaches that have occurred. In South uh, Africa? Globally. Globally, okay. Globally, that's major. So, okay. I mean, we had the MGM attack that we've all all saw, and I mean, that was a, a social social engineering attack that sort of triggered that. So, you know, providing a service to customers, you know, providing the people, the process and the technologies uh, and also offering those 24-hour services to them is, is quite key. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the customers we, we're chatting to, the, the teams are already, uh, I guess, uh, overworked, uh, don't have the time, don't understand what they're looking at and uh, we're there to help and, 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 you know, assist them in providing the right visibility for the organization mm -hmm. so that they can focus on the priorities and, and, and make things work. It's interesting what you say about 24-7. Do you find that adversaries um, would sometimes attack an organization, say here in South Africa, at three in the morning, knowing that there's probably less chance of there being a, a response at that time of the day? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you take a look at some of the syndicates that are sitting out there, there's, you know, they're global syndicates. Mm. We know there's a, a massive amount of money uh, in these syndicates, and that's why they've, you know, built these type of teams and businesses to yeah. to attack organisations. Um, so I would say most of the time, you know, we're seeing attacks happen from from anywhere in the world. Uh, so I can't tell you it's, you know, happening after hours because they know we're after hours. Uh, generally, the case is really just making sure that, you know, we've got eyes on the screen mm. to make sure we can report on it and actually get the team. To, to investigate as quickly as possible. And what are the most important, uh, or not important, what are the, the most common attack types that you're seeing out there? Uh, so, I mean, phishing attacks, we're seeing that, that happen uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I, I, I spoke about the MGM attack. You know, there was a, 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 a voice phishing attack that okay. initially kicked it off. Um, what were they the, ultimately trying to do in that MGM case? They were trying to get the credentials of a user to gain access to, I guess, to sensitive... Gambling uh, systems and exactly, stuff. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And once they got that, they were able yeah. to sort of uh, compromise the organization. Okay. So phishing is big. What about ransomware? Uh, so ransomware is always going to be big. I mean, it's, uh, you know, ransomware as a service is, is quite a big thing that we see. Uh, we've had uh, several calls from uh, new customers to say that uh, they've been hit by ransomware can we assist them? And generally jumping on a call to find out most of their systems are encrypted. Right. Uh, so how do we assist them? How do we help them? The biggest problem is customers generally don't have an incident response plan in place. Yeah. They don't have the right backups in place. Uh, and they think it's a light switch where you can turn it on and say, cool, we, we can get the business back so up and running. And a bit like deer in the headlight stuff. Definitely. Yeah. So how do you advise organizations around ransomware? Because, I mean, this, this information, their data, sensitive data is very often encrypted, and you don't have the keys to unlock that. Yeah. Do you actually engage with uh, with the cyber criminals to… to uh, no, no. So, I, I mean, the recommendations is, is don't engage. Okay. Uh, you never know you're gonna, if you're going to get your data back. If you, you know, if you pay on a Bitcoin along those lines, you're not aware if you're going to get uh, those uh, decryption keys. So how do, we, how do we assist customers? I mean, generally, you know, we take a step back. We look at some of the internal processes and policies they have in place. Uh, like I said, it comes down to security awareness. How do we 
you know, provide the awareness to the users in the organization to look out for phishing attacks because generally that's how they're getting compromised. That's how the, the ransomware starts um, and, and ensuring that they have, you know, the right backups in place to to restore if needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's have a, let's chat then about CyberOne's uh, SOC and um, what it offers uh, relative to some of the competition out there. I, I, I take most of your competition is actually based overseas. Uh, there, I know there are a number of socks in South Africa, but I, I, my understanding is that that you have a lot of competitors, particularly in Europe, yeah, and uh, so and, and and some other markets around the world. But just tell tell me a bit about the sock and how it perhaps is different to some of the other offerings out there. Perfect. Yeah, so I think uh, you know we we decided about two years ago to to build our sock. I think the main reason we were looking at building a sock is that a lot of customers were purchasing sock as a service from international organisations. You know, they're paying that dollar rate. They're paying the, the you know, that uh, I guess excessive amounts of money for people they never meet. Mm. Uh, and we were like, we've got the people. We've got, uh, you know, the right uh, I guess technologies in place to offer to customers. And we thought, you know, how do we differentiate ourselves against those the competitors in the markets? And you know, you hear about uh, a you know a, a competitor who has a sock, but you know, is it a next gen? Uh, you know, security operations centers. So, you know, I think we've learned a lot from the competitors. We've had a look at what's out there. We've had a look at, uh, you know, competitors' brochures. What are they offering? How do you know? How do they provide that service to customers? Uh, but I think when we we're offering a SOC to to customers in in Africa and Europe, uh, the best thing is is our our price because mm-hmm. we're dealing with people in South Africa, and unfortunately the rand's not that strong. We can offer really, really competitive prices against the European and the American uh, SOC as a service uh, competitors. Okay, yeah, because of the location, because of rand pricing, etc. Definitely. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Um, Gerald, um, you spoke earlier about uh, offering consultancy services. Let's expand a little bit of, uh, beyond that. I, I know that the primary role of a, of a SOC has always been um, detection and response and helping clients respond to attacks. But you, you mentioned that you also offer consultancy services. Maybe just expand a bit on why you do that and um, what, the, what you hope the outcome would be of being able to do that. So if we look at the model that we've built um, traditional SOC is, as, you, as you've said, is detection and response. Um, you, you, you get notified of an alert or trigger, and the analysts then follow a, pro, follow a process to then notify the customer, and they get it resolved. But with our SOC as a service model, what we've done is we've looked at um, a couple of frameworks of, of you know, how, we, how can we assist in the continuous improvement of our customers. I mean, that's one of our value propositions is we want to see improvement month to month mm-hmm. on our service to the customer and the, the posture that they have. So um, we go beyond the detection phase. We, we start with preparation. That's where the consultancy comes in. So we look at the various environments in the, in the customer's, um, we look at the various departments in the customer's environment and we look at, you know, where are the, where are the loopholes? Where's the flaws? Mm-hmm. How can we... What would help us monitor better? What mm-hmm. would help us detect and respond better? And what do they have in place? And what do they need to improve on? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what we've built into our implementation. That's, that's not an additional cost. That's part of our service to the customer. Mm-hmm. And that happens continuously. Okay. And like Simon mentioned, the people factor. That's really important for us because people don't trust technology. They t- trust people that they've gained trust from. So, so that's, that's very important to us to have that engagement. We've got our lead teams who continuously have 
feedback sessions with the customer to see if there's any problems. Right. You know, what are the current challenges? How can we assist from a SOC point of view? So, yeah, that's that's very much, you know, where consultancy comes in, and it's very important for us. That's we we a very big one, one of our big pillars is the consultancy because mm-hmm. that helps us to understand the customer, and it also helps the customer gain trust in in our service to them. Okay, you must have to work as well with a lot of software vendors, um, a lot of solutions that are deployed to end user uh, into into customers, uh, and as we know by the nature of software that um, there are security flaws. Uh, there always will be, despite the best intentions of, of the developers behind them, there will always be flaws that can be exploited. How do you work with other, with, um, with other security, cybersecurity vendors and with software providers in helping companies ensure that their systems are protected and patched against, uh, against um, uh, holes or flaws that, uh, that uh, adversaries typically exploit? Well, you can only really do that by being integrated into communities. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got you've got huge communities out there in the wild that that deal with, you know, reviews and forums and development of software, and mm-hmm. that's important for us to have that community base as well. Um, and and also, I mean, one of our one of our key value propositions is the agnostic capability of the SOC. I mean, we've built extensive processes when it comes to the proof of concept of a technology. Um, Trialing and demoing it that, you know, from development to UAT is straight through to Mm -hmm. production. We follow those processes to ensure that the the technology that we use as a strategic technology for the customer Mm -hmm. is something we can trust. Mm -hmm. And if something arises, we've got advisory services that we send out to our customers to say, listen, we found this vulnerability. Um, the team is busy working on getting this resolved. Right. We are integrated with vendor support. So um, if, if we identify something, we in- engage with the vendor to try and resolve it. So a key component of the people working or role of the people working in the security operations center is to stay abreast of all the latest developments that are happening in the cybersecurity space and then to inform your customers that the, about these developments and how they may impact those end users. Correct. Okay, good. Simon, um, how long has the SOC been running for now? Just over a year, you said? Uh, probably a year and a half we've okay. uh, sort of been running. Okay. Uh, we moved into our new premise probably a year ago. Uh, so we were running it out of uh, one of our other business units. Uh, and then we thought it was uh, time to, to grow and spread our wings and move into our own little okay. area. So it's, it's been, been a, a year since we've been in our new office. What would you say are some of the key learnings for Cyber One over those 18 months? Uh, we probably should have... Looked at bigger premises. I mean, uh, <laughs> we, you know, we've been there a year now. Um, I think we're sitting at probably about 20, uh, 20 individuals that sit in the sock itself. Right. Uh, and it is growing. And start know. 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. Uh, so, I mean, the night shift is generally a smaller team, okay. but uh, yeah. during the daytime, we've got a, quite a full, a full team in that, mm-hmm. in that office. Um, and we'll staff up if there's an incident, I presume. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Yeah. So if there's an incident, everyone who's on standby gets pulled in and we then rotate and shifts to make sure that there's that continuity that we can provide the service back to the customers. Okay. And the guys are getting enough sleep. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 How, how, long do, how long does an incident response uh, uh, take, take usually? Is it um, just a couple of hours or are you on? So it varies. Days? I mean, we've been involved in some incidents that, uh, you know, could have taken an hour mm-hmm. uh, and can go up to three weeks. Wow. Uh, because there's that whole, uh, I guess, the re- the response remediation point of view yeah. on making sure that, you know, the bad actors are out of the environment, uh, you've restored the organization back to mm-hmm. 
where they should be and then providing those consulting services where we say these are the controls that need to be in place. Maybe there's some security vendors uh, or solutions that, that you need to look at mm -hmm. uh, getting into the environment. So it, it varies from anything from you know a couple of hours to to a couple of weeks. Okay, a couple of weeks. Well, you mentioned that um, this is not only a South African SOC, it's being aimed at, at, a, at global, a global business audience. Um, and you mentioned also the, the, the RAND pricing, which obviously helps in, in uh, reducing costs relative to some of the SOC providers in, in developed markets. Um, are there particular geographies that you're focused on? Um, or is this any market any company anywhere in the world? That so you... I think uh, looking at Cyber One as a whole, we, we generally sit in the, the EMEA space. Okay. Um, so that's really where we've been focusing. Just because we've got individuals who sit in certain countries, we are able to you know, position with customers and provide, uh, I guess, the insights into our SOC. Um, but you know, in saying that, we've got a customer that sits in South America yeah. uh, where we offer services to them. Um, and I think it was really just because of our relationship with, you know, previous individuals that we had worked with and okay. they liked what service we provided to them. And that's why we got a, a customer in South America. Okay. So if someone contacts you from anywhere in the world, you're not going to say, sorry, you, you're from Australia. We don't deal with Australians. We, we run 24 by 7. Okay. You know, we, can, we, we, we want to deal with uh, any uh, organization that, okay. that's looking for a, a SOC as a service. Okay. Okay. Gerald, how difficult, I mean, we've, we've touched on the skills issue, but how difficult uh, is it for you to find the talent you need to staff the stock? So there's, it is quite difficult. I mean, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of recruiters that would disagree with me about what we recruit, what, what our criteria yeah. is. And, you know, for us, it's really about attitude. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had an individual that studied weather forecasting and ended up being one of our strongest people in the SOC simply because they have the right attitude. But finding that attitude these days is very difficult. I mean, in the last five years, there's so many great resources and skills that have uh, migrated to, to, to other countries. Mm. And in South Africa, the, the shortage in skill is, is real. So um, we are looking at ways to improve that by having the correct learnership and internship programs in place where we can be like a watering well to right. start developing new skill out there. And it's something that the South African market really needs is to have the skill in the cybersecurity yeah. field. It must be frustrating, though, to train people up and then see a percentage of those taking those skills off offshore um, because they, cybersecurity skills are in such high demand mm. worldwide. How do, you, how do you hang on to this talent, apart from paying them a lot of money? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just in our culture. Yeah. I mean... There's just something about it. Um, that people want to stay. Yeah, mm -hmm. we have a, a very open culture. Yeah. Like we, we, we're not, you know, we don't, we don't rely on a military-based military mm -hmm. um, culture. Okay. Like we, we open, I mean, anybody can talk to anyone. Um, if you want to try something new, you, you're able to explore it. Um, we do have structure. There is discipline in, in, our, in our business mm -hmm. because it's needed, because it's a, you know, very critical um, business, but you know, having that freedom of, of expressing yourself, sure. the freedom of being who you are. Um, People like working there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the bottom line. Mm. Like We've that. taken a lot of <laughs> a lot of individuals who you know who've, who are part of the SOC, yeah. started the SOC, um, so they've grown with the SOC. So you know, we've taken a lot of junior individuals who 
have seen some type of growth path mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that we want to look at and how we sort of promote within our business. Um, you know, we offer the right tools, the training, you know, the skills development to actually, you know, assist the individuals in, in growing themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we want to get to a stage where if somebody does leave the organization, they're leaving because they've reached their, their growth mm -hmm. uh, and they want to go do something different. That's what we're looking at trying to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And again, coming back to process, uh, it's a very big thing for us. Um, we've got training and development, which is appetizing to individuals who are starting out in, in the industry because they want to see, okay, I can get there. Mm -hmm. there's, some, there's something I can grow into. Mm -hmm. And if you can show them, you know, this is what we can, this is what you can become. Um, yeah. Th that's appetizing. It's a good way of, of growing inside the business. Mm -hmm. As Simon mentioned, mm -hmm. Uh, promoting within the business is very important as well because you know you're giving you're giving them again that freedom to to be better yeah and yeah that that really works okay yeah. good to hear good to hear I want to ask a bit about uh, and this is not a subject I know a lot about so I'm actually in interested in learning a bit about how this process works but the cyber one uh, sock is also ISO compliant ISO 27001 ISO is an international standards organization um, what is ISO 27001 and why was it important that uh, that you had this compliance it comes down to trust um, if, if we are compliant to an international standard um, around the field of cybersecurity, it, it, it shows that we can be trusted. What, does, mean, that, that's what, what we, does the compliance require of CyberOne? What did you have to go through? There's an extensive process. Again, um, a, lot of, a lot of policies and procedures that need to be in place. Um, you've got your information, secu information security management system that you need to build out. Um, and once you've built, it, built out these, these policies and procedures, you need to enforce them and you need to prove that you've enforced mm -hmm. them. And this goes all the way into HR, um, all the departments within the business to show that you've got structure. You've okay. got, um, you know, asset management. You've got risk management in place. There's all kinds of processes and policies followed to ensure that we are, uh, that are, we are secure, we, okay. we are improving our posture. There's certain controls that, that's required in the ISO 2701, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's where customers you know, want to know, mm -hmm. and because we've got mm -hmm. that, uh, that ISO uh, certification, they, they're aware that we're following the... So it's really around operational processes and ensuring the company is very well run? Correct. Okay. Correct, okay. yeah. How long does this process take and what's involved? Uh, so we, we actually quite, we fast-tracked it. I mean, uh, it should have taken probably a year to do and uh, I sort of pushed the team to do it in probably four months. Yeah. Okay. So it was uh, a lot of time and uh, hours and uh, that was spent gathering all the information and, and putting it into play. But, uh, yeah, we, we but were But it's worthwhile to, once you've done it. Definitely. And I mean, mm -hmm. this provides the reputation to to organizations that don't sit in our country, you know. So yeah, right, right. people who are sitting in Europe who are looking at uh, SOC as a service, they're happy to see that we've got the ISO certification mm -hmm. so they can mm -hmm. trust us and we can provide uh, a service to them. Okay. Do you, do you align with other industry bodies and standard settings institutions in cybersecurity? I'm thinking of NIST, for example. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Gerald, I know you probably want to touch on this. This is some of our, our frameworks that we do follow, and I think that's something that we're always looking at because yep. customers generally looking at, you know, the likes of NIST and, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, things like that. So, so we follow NIST religiously okay. um, around incident response. That's 
I mean, again, you've had such a large organization and, and communities that's bolted onto, onto NIST and, you know, they've got it to a stage where it is well thought through and, and it can be utilized in almost any environment. So we've incorporated that into our incident response um, capability. Mm -hmm. And earlier on, I mentioned around, you know, the preparation of, of, of security posture, like improving the customer, consulting. And this all comes down to NIST as well. Mm -hmm. In NIST, you have the preparation phase, which is pretty much pre-incident. So you're making sure that you're building out the correct um, countermeasures and, okay. and, and, and um, you're enforcing the right structure into the environment to secure it. And then you move to the detection phase where, you, you know, that's, that's where you start following the incident response processes. And then after you've followed a successful or you've successfully closed a incident response, you've got review phases and reporting mm -hmm. and documentation and the continuous improvement. And this is really good in following through that, that well, that framework is really good in, in following through a process mm -hmm. from where you start preparing for a breach mm -hmm. to where you are breached to where you learn from your mistakes. Interesting. There are a lot of regulations out there that we have to align to. You know, mm. we've got customers who might sit in the financial sector, mm. you know, so what are the PCR controls? What do we need to put in place? There's, you know, the data protection policies that are out there, you know, dealing, you know, in South Africa, mm. you've got your, you know, protection of uh, your POPIA Act. Mm. Uh, you've got GDPR dealing with, uh, you know, uh, personal data mm -hmm. being moved. And then because we've got quite a big, uh, a big entity in Kenya, they've also got their Kenyan data protection policy. Oh. They're all very similar in a sense of they seem to take very similar sort of um, points and, and uh, I guess, areas to cover. Um, so we sort of try to align to those type of uh, data protection policies and ensuring that we have the right controls and visibility for the mm -hmm. customers. We had the chairwoman of the information regulator in here a few weeks ago, Pansy Lakula, who was talking about data breaches, etc. Do you do you interface with the information regulator at all through your work? So I think we do a lot of research on it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we take a look at you know the specific frameworks, the specific controls that that are required um, from that point of view. You know, dealing with customers who've uh, you know have seen a breach. You know, what do they do? How do they handle it? You know, how do we? follow the right processes to ensure that we report back to, uh, I guess, the public mm -hmm. on, on a breach. So, yeah, we do, we do have to deal, uh, I guess, and, and follow what they're trying to do. Gerald, lastly, I believe that uh, CyberOne also uh, white labels the SOC uh, for larger companies uh, that don't want to build this resource in-house. Um, take us through that solution and how it works. So it's more like a partnership um, program, the white labeling we do. So... It's empowering partners out there that don't have the SOC uh, capability or, or the, again, the, the, the funds to, to deliver a SOC service. We partner with them so they can leverage our resources, um, basically our service, to provide to their customers. So it's more of a, um, yeah, the white labeling we do is, is more of a, if I can call it, like an affiliation type of program where we can integrate with another partner to, partner to provide a bigger service to mm -hmm. a customer. It's again just to ensure that we do have the capability of integrating. Um, again, the biggest thing for us is to be agnostic and even through our sales process, we want to be agnostic in that way as well. Okay. Simon, if anyone wants to reach out to CyberOne and uh, talk more about the SOC and learn more about what it offers, what's the best way of reaching CyberOne? Um, I think the, probably the best approach is uh, you know, either through LinkedIn or our website, uh, mm -hmm. so c1soc.com. 
the guys can have a look in, on that uh, platform. Um, all the contact details are there, uh, and then we generally will get uh, you know Gerald and the team to to set up a session with the customer, unpack what service they're looking at, uh, and then we build the use cases to provide that service to the customer. Fantastic. That website again, you said was c1soc.com. Correct. c1soc.com. Simon Perry is Chief Technology Officer at CyberOne, and Gerald Nordia is Head of CyberOne's Security Operations Centre, or SOC. Thank you, gentlemen, for a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you.